welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We are excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. You know what time it is. Clark and I are here. We are in the book of Revelation talking in chapter 18. Mm-hmm. And so many things have happened. Uh, it's way too much to even try to summarize. So go ahead. Dragons, and go. beasts, Just, horns, eyes. Wow. That, I mean, okay, there you go. That's Elders, a pretty that's a pretty good summary. Wrath, judgment, bowls, and trumpets. And we have now we're almost getting now to those some of the like more really well-known and famous verses in in really the, the end of the beautiful. Bible, yeah, chapter 19, verses. chapter 20. Yeah. And so before we get there though, it's chapter 18 where we have to read about the fall of Babylon. And how really that's that's really good news too. And we're going to see though how it's sad news for some folks. Yeah, there's a there's a stark warning to us today. And, mm-hmm. and one of the questions that this chapter seems to present itself to us listening here in you know, the, our day and age is what is it that we're pursuing with our life? Um, mm-hmm. A lot of us spend a lot of time pursuing good things like degrees, um, jobs or promotions, want to acquire things like cars or houses. Um, but when those things become the thing that we are living for, um, the Bible says that becomes an idol. If that's yeah. what we think about when we wake up, if that's what we think about when we go to bed, that's what we become preoccupied with during the day. And and that is one of the traits of Babylon. And so in this chapter, God uses the word Babylon to describe uh, yeah, countries and empires, but also movements, paradigms, right. and worldviews that set themselves up against God and worship idols, whether it's, it's sex or it's power or it's wealth or it's the accumulation of things. Right. And, and God's given us a warning saying, hey, you got to let go of those things because mm-hmm. those things can become idolatrous and become a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And so when he talks about Babylon, you'll notice throughout the Bible that he calls Babylon the great prostitute. Right. And the great prostitute, again, represents everything that lures people mm-hmm. away from God to the things of the world that don't benefit the people of God. Mm-hmm. In fact, in time, enslave them to the things of this world. And so... Um, Babylon will rise and will fall, whether it's a future city or, again, an empire. I think as you read Revelation, it's so symbolic and it's cyclical in terms there are patterns, there are movements, there are empires, and they fall. And then there's patterns and movements and empires that rise and then they fall. And so let's just begin with the first couple of verses from chapter 18 says, after I saw this, another angel coming down from heaven, he had great authority and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Mm-hmm. With a mighty voice, he shouted, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. The nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries and the kings of earth have committed adultery with her. The merchants of earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. And what he's saying is this paradigm, this worldview, this condition has become so desolate and broken that it's almost um, unsuitable for habitation. Like people cannot actually live mm-hmm. in this state of mind under this rule. And 
live and thrive and flourish. It's going to become, honestly, it describes almost like a horror movie. It's like a haunted world. Just desolate. That's right. Yeah, it makes me think of the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 12, where he talks about, you know, if somebody is demon-possessed and then they experience freedom, but but they don't have an indwelling of the spirit, like the house is clean, then what ends up happening is is the spirits come back and they're actually worse off. That's the teaching there. And it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the picture of that. It's how it's like, oh my goodness, when you don't have the Lord, when we're, when we're constantly, what is it, drinking the wine? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> verse three where they are drunk in the maddening wine of her adulteries. Because, the, I mean, so scripture uses the word adultery to describe our relationship with Yahweh all over the place. Where yeah. you go from the Old Testament, the, specifically the book of Hosea, it's all about that. Mm-hmm. And God's constant wooing and calling back and how just like we've seen all over scripture, including the book of Revelation, is there are people that refuse to repent, that refuse to come back to the Lord. There are people that are saying, I like Babylon is offering me something. Cause that's the thing. That's why it's enticing. Isn't because it's like, Oh, this is awful. And it's hurting my body. And no, it's because you're gaining worldly power. Like you're saying pleasure, popularity, whatever it is. And so in that though, we, you don't realize what's really going on, like at a soul level where you have, you have committed adultery. Like verse says, the verse three says with your heart, you Mm -hmm. have given yourself over completely. And in John's day and age, when he wrote this in context, this would have been Rome because Rome, Mm. um, they attained and had overwhelmingly the strongest military, the strongest um, and most influential government and the most influential economic policies and, and powers and plans. And so that's one of the things you see throughout, like Daniel again, when he prophesies against um, Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome. And so today you look at, if you're being honest and objective, you're looking at the United States of America. Yeah. You're looking at Russia. You're looking at China. Mm -hmm. You're looking at these countries that are pushing um, worldviews and paradigms that do not glorify and honor God Mm -hmm. and instead lift up the things that Revelation is actually talking about right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm really grateful for all the freedoms that I have. But you have to keep Jesus at, at number one. And if not, so Babylon here, just a reminder, represents yeah. all things that point to God rejecting rules and policies and nations and, and um, positions of power. So John is warning us, saying, hey, Christian, do not give yourself over to achievement or mm-hmm. to acquiring of things, the consumption of things, the level of comfort that, that gets you off the, the playing field of the kingdom of God and with God and into into the world. And so... Hmm. there's that line, right, where it says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So on one hand, we're supposed to enjoy good food. For sure. You can enjoy good drink. You can enjoy good friendship. You can enjoy traveling and seeing um, the beauty of God's creation. You and I want to travel. We got bucket lists. It's just awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And God created these things good. And so that's part of Sabbathing and enjoying what he created. But when we become infatuated with these things and they become more than just things we enjoy and more than just hobbies, we become Babylon. Right. And that's what he's warning against us. So I guess one of my questions for you, Bobby, and for you listening is how do we enjoy what God gave us and keep them to be good gifts and abstain and have self-control from allowing them to become more than what God made them to be? Well, it's exactly what you're saying. So by abstaining, like you're saying, and then indulging. So the the rhythm of that that we've kind of adopted, that we've studied and heard from other people is f- feasting and fasting. 
and how there mm, are seasons of your life where you will step in and you are feasting. You are enjoying family and community at the top level where you're together and you're breaking bread and you're celebrating. And like, maybe it's, maybe it is an indulgence. Maybe it's, you know, a little bit more time and, or maybe it's kind of like a, a big trip or whatever it is where it's like, there's planning and there's all these things that are involved in it. And in the midst of that, you're still pointing to God mm-hmm. where you're thinking, Oh my goodness. Like how, how good is this? That God has made this, that we get a, I, <laughs> we joke about that, but Clark and I, even when we will be feasting on like a date night and we're like, Oh, how amazing is this? That we're sitting and it's quiet and we have hot food and we're eating the food while it's hot. And it's like, and that I is don't have a kid, you know, climbing up my leg and, and lap right now. Exactly. And we're, and it's, we're, we're talking back and forth to each other and we're able to listen. Oh. And so just identifying and, and inviting the Lord into that moment of feasting where yeah. it's like, wow, thank you, God. Thank you for this moment. And then we also have periods of time and seasons where we purposefully abstain, where we say, we actually have access to these things, but we are not going to indulge by the Holy Spirit because we believe that this is how we make these things take the place that they should have. Meaning this is not just something where, okay, you know, we're going to work this into our budget that we can spend, you know, a hundred dollars on this meal every single week. No. So there's things that we prioritize. There's times when there's fasting and, and some of, some of the times of fasting that we prioritize, those are, those are hard. Like oh, that's, yes, a, those are, are painful times. Fasting's <laughs> brutal and it's, it's beautiful and, and it's hard. The, really you guys, what's going on is it's echoing Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus is saying like, Hey, just so you know, like the life that you were called into with me as a Christian, as a, as a disciple, as a follower of me is a life where you have said, I'm going to deny myself. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to say, no when I don't want to say no. And there's times where we don't do that on purpose. You know, we're actually, we don't want to be in a season maybe where we're fasting and that's just where we are because of the broken world or, or maybe because of, depending on what you believe, because of where God's placed you. And so there's times of that, but there's also times of intentional choosing. And I would say that so much more of us Americans, we we fall in that category yeah. where it's like, we actually have access. We actually feel like we have entitlement to these things. We deserve these things. And we have to say unto Christ, I'm going to submit this and say no, and I am not going to indulge. Yeah. And so what, what does that look like for you to actually, you know, cause we, Christ has this, um, theology of suffering that we don't even tap into unless we're forced to our knees to tap into. And then we're so grateful for it. And so the call is no, like in in your everyday rhythm of life, how are you abstaining? Here's, here's one. Uh, Don't turn on your TV till the weekend. For sure. Here's another one. Turn on your TV only for, you know, one hour at a time. Don't look at your phone until you read the scriptures for the day. Don't look at your phone. Don't engage in social media until you have looked at your scriptures. Like what are practical, simple uh, rhythms? Find times and rhythms of life where you can fast and fast from food. Yes. So in the Bible, when it talks about fasting, it's talking about fasting from food and drink. Um, Today, some people try to withhold from technology, (coughs) excuse me, and other things. And I guess the word that you and I kind of use more often for that is abstinence or abstaining abstain from technology or whatever. But for a lot of us, we actually do need to learn how to abstain or fast from food because that builds the, the muscle of self-control. Right. And I feel like that is a very important muscle to have when we're trying to navigate life in exile in Babylon 
when Babylon's promoting and throwing everything yes. at us, that's like, you need this. You want this. And right. of course, your body's going to say, yes, I want to eat that. Yes, I want to yes. go there. This feels good. And it might not always be beneficial um, for you or the person next to you. And so, yeah. Even that language, I want to camp on that and then we can move on. Even that language that you just said, that this feels good to me, so therefore it must be right. What fasting does is it trains your body. I don't know best. Jesus Christ knows what's best for my body. I'm going to submit to his way. Yeah. So even when I'm hungry, you know, X, Y, Z. Anyway, so, let's move on. Yeah, keep going. Verse four is another, it's an important verse. God calls out and or the angel calls out and says, come out of her, my people so that you will not share in her her sins, so that you will not yeah. receive any of her plagues. And again, there's a call to be, we're in the world, but don't be of the world. And so there's a call to repent mm-hmm. and follow. Bobby, unpack that for us. Why? Where are you going? Get a drink. I'm calling. <laughs> <laughs> so the angel's command for all believers is to separate um, your habits and cultural patterns uh, from greed and indulgence. So essentially what we're talking about here is that we wouldn't have kind of like any kind of external behavior or any kind of like um, way of living that could confuse people. That's saying like, okay, this is this is something that we're, that we're doing. I'm trying to think of an example right now that as we walk with the Lord, that could be a confusing thing. So we're going <laughs> to repent and we're going to actually have our external behavior show our internal heart change that's saying like, Hey, you know what? We actually really believe. So let's go back to the technology example for one second before we move on. So the, I, did you see this? I think it was the surgeon general just came out and said like, Hey, just so you guys know, technology is really bad for teenagers. Did you see this? It was a huge no. thing all over. Yes. And so parents, Christians have been saying this now, like, for, Hey, forever, yeah. mental health professionals have been crying oh, out yeah. on behalf well, well, the, of people. The CEOs in the Silicon Valley won't let their children it's, use the items they have created. But because we don't, you know, we, we don't want our kids to be isolated. We, we want our kids, you know, to be like they're part of the community or whatever it is. Then, man, we have given technology into hands of kids that just can't handle it. For sure. Yada, yada, yada. So that's one clear example that we say, I'm sorry, we're making a 90 degree turn because th- this is this is hurting us. This is hurting you. This is hurting your soul. And we're actually sinning against God with our with how we're living our life here. Yeah, and God's and so called us the to call. get out of there, right? Yep. Now there's some strong language coming up, verses six, seven, and eight. Um, the angel calls for God to give back to Babylon as she has given, Mm -hmm. pay her back double for what she has done, pour her a double portion from her own cup, give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself because in her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as the queen, I am not a widow, I will never mourn. Mm -hmm. Therefore, in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She'll be consumed by fire for the Lord is mighty, the Lord God who judges her. Mm-hmm. And so there's there is a passage that does talk about um, not boasting when your enemies fall. Proverbs 24, 17 says, don't rejoice when your enemy falls down. But what's getting at here is this is different. This is the final judgment. This is the, um, the darkness, the evil, the satanic movements, and Satan himself that has fought back to kill and persecute and pillage God and his people. And um, obviously Christ has been victorious. And so the angel is basically saying here, what you dished out is coming back your way, Satan. And the the principle, if you actually go back to like the Old Testament mm-hmm. law, because there's so many Old Testament nods in these chapters, is the old eye for eye, tooth for tooth. 
And what's interesting when it goes back to the time of Moses, whether you read Exodus 18 or Deuteronomy 16, Moses comes to a point where he's trying right. to judge God's people. And there's so many, so people. many people. His father-in-law, Jethro, is like, dude, you got to appoint <laughs> other people to be like sub-rulers underneath you, to right. be judges and governors and these people that will help you handle these matters because you can't handle all these things yourself. Mm-hmm. And so the eye for eye, tooth for tooth became a paradigm in the Old Testament for them um, executing justice when someone did something wrong. Right. And so when it comes to God versus Babylon, he's saying, all right, Babylon, you have harmed my people. You have come against me in, in my way, and now it's time for your eternal judgment. So when you look at verses 9 through 10, it talks about how the kings of the world are going to respond when Babylon falls. In verses 11 right. through 17, it talks about these merchants who are going to respond. And then verses 17 through 19, it talks about the mariners that are going to respond. And so how are they going to respond? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. It says the kings of earth are going to grieve. That's what it says in verse 9 and 10. When the kings of earth who committed adultery with Babylon and shared in her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry. Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour, your doom has come. And what's so interesting, and you're going to see this repeated with the merchants, and you're going to see this repeated with the mariners, is that they're not repenting to God. They are sad that their comfort, that their possessions, that their indulgences have been stripped from them. Mm -hmm. And no longer can you live in the comfort drunkenness of this world and that again just goes back to the heart of the sinful fallen world where life's empty and people are crying because the alcohol the the sexual morality the all these things are not gone they're not crying for babylon they're crying for themselves because they can't indulge in this anymore right verses 17 and 19 even as the ships pass by the shipmasters, the seafarers mm-hmm. the sailors they're like oh man it's gone mm-hmm. now when you shift though to verse 20 you see that there's a sense of rejoicing, the people of God. Right. It says, rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her and the judgment she opposed on you. The reason that there is rejoicing is that it shows us again that all evil is going to be judged by God. And right. God is righteous and God is just and God is true. And his justice is pure and perfect. Right. And this calls for rejoicing mm-hmm. because... There's been wickedness for millennia. Right. And God's calling us now to come back to him. And so one of the things that um, we got to just wrestle with here just at a personal level is in what ways are we drawn into and tempted by and entrapped with the things of Babylon? Because when I cherish, um, it's like when we're talking to our kids, honestly, and this conversation with our children is the same conversation I need to have with myself and you listening. For sure. When we cherish possessions more than people, mm-hmm. and we um, cherish comfort more than speaking the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. and we um, cherish achievement and status and degrees more than service and giving to people who are in need, mm-hmm. then we are forfeiting um, the things of God and the kingdom of God. And so when, when Jesus is teaching and in Matthew six nineteen, this is one of the more, most popular scriptures out there. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Because what happens to the things of earth? Right. Well, the moths and the rest destroy them. Yeah. He says, instead, you need to store up for yourselves things that are going to be in eternity. God has given us these things on loan 
so that we can use them for the glory of God and have um, eternal dividends that will keep paying back when we see people in heaven because we spent more time in, in a discipleship group or speaking the name of Jesus or seeking to get out of our clique to make new friends and let make, let the end outsider feel welcome, Yeah. right? So like we're saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to give in to Babylon's inclusion and Babylon's comfortable, um, posh living. Or it's all about me, myself, and I. Instead, I'm going to pick up my cross, like you said earlier, and follow the Lord. I'm going to deny myself and seek the Lord and the kingdom of God and bless those around me. And then you get these tastes of, of what God's intended for us to experience life to be. And it's this beautiful gift, but mm-hmm. but it, it requires us to have serious introspection and um, take an inventory, basically, of like our heart, yeah. where we're like reflecting, going, all right, where am I giving in to, to too much comfort? Where has wealth become an idol? Where has consumerism become an idol? Where has achievement become an idol? Because again, all those things, achieving and working hard and, and being comfortable and attaining wealth, those can all be good things. But it's within the proper placement under the lordship of Jesus and using them for the the betterment of not only yourself, but those around you and mm-hmm. ultimately glorifying God. So that's how we distinguish ourselves from Babylon in right. the midst of this. We enjoy the things of God, but you enjoy God in the middle of all of them. Yeah. So when you're making a money, God's at the center. How can mm-hmm. I bless the Lord and bless others with this? Right. In your education and, and that degree you want to get, how is God inviting me to bring heaven to earth through what I'm studying? Um, those are the kind of questions we have to ask ourselves that we can, again, say, I'm not going to be in Babylon because verse four, he says, get out of her, come out of her. The judgment's coming. I have something good for you, my people. Amen. That's something good indeed. You guys, I don't have anything else to say. Me neither. Revelation chapter 18. Thank you. Um, what a gift. We're going to keep marching through the chapter here, you guys, and we're, we're almost done. We'll be there Mm -hmm. together. And there is really beautiful and just awesome imagery coming up. So excited to talk about that with you guys. God bless you wherever you're at. Thanks for listening and we'll talk with you soon. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.